For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome in to the latest edition of Believe in Titans podcast. I am David Beauclair, joined by John Glennon, my partner at All Titans at SI.com. You can find our work there, SI.com slash NFL slash Titans. And former Titans cornerback and several other teams cornerback, for that matter, Denard Walker. Gentlemen, how are we? Doing well. Doing great. Good to hear. We are recording this. It is June 2nd which is a big day in the NFL world because it is now officially post June 1st, which means salary cap space and specifically for the Titans who uh, gained an extra 9 million plus officially because they released Julio Jones with a post June 1st designation, John Glennon, how important is that money? What, uh, what do you think the Titans intend to do with it? I think it's certainly important um, because the Titans were one of the teams that was closest to the NFL uh, cap. I think prior to the Jones release, I think they were the uh, uh, third closest to the to the cap ceiling. Uh, and now I think they're 13th lowest uh, in, in terms of cap. So certainly gives the Titans a lot more flexibility now. Uh, you know, some of that money is probably going to go to rookies. Uh, to sign them there's still you know a couple guys that that still need to be signed um, but certainly you know if there are still positions that that need to be addressed and, and likely you know if you're the Titans maybe those positions are on the O-line or, or at wide receiver it gives you the option now of, of taking a look at some of the guys that are still left in the pool and also guys that may come available here closer to camp or even in camp you know, if other teams cut veterans for cap reasons, uh, you know, or, or as rookies come on, all of a sudden you're getting a, a, a few more free agents out there and you've got a little bit of room to, to maneuver now and, and maybe make some additions if you need them. Yeah, the, uh, Denard, this is, a, this, this is an interesting time. I mean, Titans released Julio with a post-June 1st designation, but now that we're 
actually past June first. Other teams, uh, other teams could make sorts those sorts of moves. Is is it is it too late for to bring in a guy from an off season perspective in terms of what he can learn between now and the start of training camp? Or or if you're a veteran player, is this still a lot of time to if you get signed to get something done before the the end of July? Here, uh, you still have a lot of time because you're still not in training camp yet. So. If you look at a lot of the notable free agents out there, there are some big names that I think can be a huge addition to this Titans team. So it's it's never too late. You saw that with the Rams last year. I mean, look at their run to the Super Bowl. They added Vaughn Miller late into the season. You're talking about Odell Beckham Jr., two guys that produce. And I, I think that was the biggest reason uh, that they end up getting over uh, you know, getting over the hump and getting to the Super Bowl was adding those two. So it's never too late. And when you look at this team and you look at Tennessee, there's still a lot of holes that need to be filled uh, for this football team. And, and in particular, I'm looking at the receiving core. you got some big names out there, J- uh, David and John. And, and one guy uh, in particular that I like to uh, pay close attention to is Will Fuller. I think he will be a huge addition to this team. It's never been a question about his play. It's always been about his durability. Uh, you're talking about a guy that's an explosive playmaker and – what I love most about Will Fuller is he's a veteran. He's 28 years old. So again, once you bring him in, if you can get somebody, uh, uh, what I like to call a veteran, they can learn the playbook fast. It's just learning, learning the terminology and just getting that down. I think he'll be fine. But again, I like to see them make a move in free agency and bring in another um, top receiver. I think that'd be a huge addition to this football team. Yeah. Will Fuller's a guy that, that jumped out at me when I was looking at the list too, because you know, you, you do worry about his health. He, he he hasn't played more than 11 games since his, his rookie year in the league. But but what he does, what he's always been really good at is he's a deep threat. And I, and I think this team could use a little bit of that. A guy who you just say, look, you're, you're either running the go or you're running the deep post. And uh, and and that'll open things up for uh, for other things we're doing underneath there. And, and you wouldn't need him to play. 50 60 snaps a game when you're talking about you know the ideal lineup of of Traylon Burks and and Robert Woods and and Kyle Phillips with Nick Westbrook Akina rotating in there I mean there's there's plenty of guys to to occupy snaps where you feel like you could you could limit um Will Fuller's plays his, his time on the field his opportunities to get hurt if you will and uh and he could he could maximize sort of that that downfield ability that uh that i that i think this this receiving core is lacking right now uh john glennon who uh who on the list of available free agents uh catches your eye these days yeah certainly uh you know from from that standpoint of the deep threat i like fuller but for me there are just too many red flags in terms of the injury uh, you mentioned that the durability uh, i looked at the same number you know no more than 11 games for five straight years now um i think that's a little bit too much of a risk for you know, how often have we heard Mike Brabel talk about availability, 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 and, we, and we've seen receivers in the last year or so, you know, be out a lot of times. I, I think that becomes even more of a, of a concern. So, you know, they're, they're the only one out there right now that, that is a huge game changer is probably, or potentially anyway, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, he's going to command a, uh, an awful lot of money, and I don't think the, uh, the Titans have that kind of cash. Uh, that they'd be able to afford uh, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, um, but, you know, if, if you're looking for a complimentary guy, I still think there's some decent veterans. Emmanuel Sanders 
Guy's 35 years old, yeah. still put up some pretty decent numbers. Uh, last year averaged about 15 yards a catch. Um, and and uh, some other guys, too, um, you know, I, I don't see a, a ton of them uh, because eventually you, you start looking at, at retreads like guys like Chester Rogers, you know, um, who, who was here last year, you know, had some contributions, but certainly was nothing special. And, and you don't go too far down the list before you start coming to guys like this. So, honestly, I, I think the pool is deeper in offensive linemen, you know, if the Titans choose to go in that direction, um, you know, to get a veteran tackle or to get a veteran guard. I think especially the tackles, you know, you look, the, the guy that really stands out to me is Darrell Williams, um, you know, former Buffalo uh, guy who's played a lot of tackle. He's played some guard as well. Good versatility. He's been starting for years. He started last year for a good Buffalo team. Uh, um, you know, so I, I think he would certainly be a good fit if you feel like you still need to uh, solidify that, that tackle spot. The only thing I wonder about, if you add a tackle now, are you pretty much saying to Dylan Radens and, and Nicholas Bidifrere, it's not going to happen you know, for you this year? That, that's, that's maybe the one question. And maybe you wait a while. Maybe you wait till training camp and give these guys a shot before you sign somebody else. Yeah, another one is uh, is Eric Flowers, a guy who has started at both guard and tackle in this league. You know, 101 starts to his credit. He's only uh, he's only 28 years old at this point. Uh, uh, you know, maybe maybe he could be your your sort of safety net there at left guard, where you're where you're looking for a replacement for Roger Saffold right now. That's that's another guy I know that uh, that Titans fans in general have kind of been looking at and and kind of keeping an eye on for a little bit uh uh Denard, anyone else in that group that, that you see there yeah just kind of piggyback on john a little bit you know i was kind of doing a little scenario and trying to figure out you know this receiving core because there's been a lot of question marks i'm pretty sure in camp but i was reading where it says that if cal phillips comes out in training camp let's say he wins that number one slot receiver and let's say everything kind of pans out. And let's say you have Robert Woods on one side and you have Traylon Burks. Think about this, John and David. You will have three receivers that haven't caught a pass for this team in a game. And then you look at the tight not, not to mention, look, you look at the tight end position. I know they brought over Austin Hooper from Atlanta in free agency, who they're high on. And then you go out and you drive Chig. Is it Onko? Is it Akon? Pronounce that for me. Those not Conquo. I love that name. The fourth rounder out of Maryland. And then the only player that, if you think about it, that's five players right now that you have surrounding Ryan Tannehill, new players. And there's only two players that have any kind of familiarity with Ryan. If you look at it, that's Jeff Swain and that's Nick Westbrook Akine. So again, you got a lot of new pieces to the puzzle, and this team got to figure out out of this group, out of these five players, who's the playmakers here? Because, I mean, we talked about, if you look at the game against Cincinnati last year, I thought Cincinnati did a great job in bottling up Derek, but there was no, if you look on the perimeter game, they wasn't making any plays. I think Cincinnati did a great job in bottling up the receiving core and the, and the tight end and the play of the tight end. So again, when you look at all of these new additions to this team, the question is for Tennessee, out of these five guys, who's going to step up? And where is the continuity? There's no continuity right now between this group. So they got a lot of work ahead of them. That's why I would love for them to bring in a, a good a veteran 
of, you know, like Will Fuller because he can really exploit the defense. I mean, that's his speed. His speed is his biggest asset. And then I want to go back and kind of piggyback, John. You think about Odell Beckham. I mean, he's coming off of an ACL uh, injury. So, again, when a veteran, when you start getting up in your late 20s and you're, or you're talking about your early 30s, you really can't dictate what you're going to get. Sometimes you got to get in and just prove yourself that you're still worthy or you're still reliable in this league. So, again, I think this would be a huge asset with Will Fuller because Odell just sustained that injury what, back in February in the Super Bowl. So, again, he's, he's – I mean, there's a lot of rehab, and you don't know he's going to be ready for uh, the season opener. Yeah, you could sign him to a, a an incentive heavy deal. Yeah. Maybe that would hurt your kind. You know, if things go great, it hurts your salary cap number for next year. You'd have to give a little bit of that back. But uh, but that's that's an interesting thought. There's there's one other name I want to throw out there that 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 would be kind of a flyer, and it it sounds ridiculous at first blush, except that for the fact that you don't need this guy, which is why I think you would we you would sign him. And I'm talking about. Robert Candice, who was, you know, first round draft pick by Arizona in 2016. He's, you know, has, has come where, nowhere close to living up to any of the expectations for him. But, but you drop him in on this defensive line where you already have Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry and Naquan Jones and Tierra Tart, and you've signed Deshaun Walker and, and you're, you know, you've, you've got guys. It, it, to me, a guy like Candice, who's, who's still only 27 years old, you bring him in if he if he plays or if he's if he is what he's always been then fine you cut him and and say well that was you know that was worth it but if he's but if he's anything even halfway like a first round draft pick who you know you're talking about somebody who's getting 25 snaps maybe a game as, as part of a rotation piece if those are 25 really good snaps a game that could uh you know that that could really make a what's already a good unit a, a lot better. Yes, no, John. Um, I like the the thought, the idea. I, I uh, in my opinion, I think the the D line right now, you know, may be the deepest part of this Titans team. Um, you know, in addition to kind of the the big studs of of Autry and Simmons, you know, you've got a lot of really quality rotating pieces. Uh, you know, they, they signed a uh, guy a little bit under the radar in Demarcus Walker, who I think is going to be a pretty good addition. You know, the guy who chose the Titans over the Colts. Uh, um, and then they've really got two of the top uh, undrafted free agents, defensive linemen, uh, you know, Haskell Garrett and, and Jaden Peavy signed with the Titans, too. And I think those guys are going to compete for, for D-line time as well. So uh, certainly couldn't add, uh, couldn't hurt to to give another talented guy a try. But I, I really like the uh, – the depth of that position right now. Yeah, I, I believe I said Deshaun Walker there. I uh, I confused him with uh, Deshaun Hand, um, who uh, Marcus who Walker, Deshaun Hand. Yes, yeah. I uh, that that's uh, that's on me there. But but going back to uh, to what Denard was saying about the uh, the wide receiver group and the pass catcher group in general, how there's so little familiarity with. Uh, with quarterback Ryan Tannehill and and this offense and this team in particular, it, it leads into a good point. Footballoutsiders.com did, uh, did their rankings recently of, uh, of everybody's receiver groups and footballoutsiders.com for those who don't know, is one of those advanced stats websites. It, you know, you can, you can really get down a rabbit hole there looking at some of their numbers, but, but their rankings come down to this. 
The Titans, in terms of their receiver group, are 31st out of 32 teams in the NFL right now, ahead of only the Chicago Bears. Is that uh, Denard? Do you think that's a uh, you think that's simply a product of familiarity, or or are there are there legitimate talent questions that uh, that this team has to answer at that group right now? Well, it's both. It's both. You, you have to look at it like this. Now, if you go back in 2021, and let's say if I'm a writer, John, uh, you and David are both writers, and you, you try to tell me that this team, you have A.J. Brown on one side and you have Julio Jones on another. When you look at that combination, tell me, do you not, it's not just production that you see. You see two bona fide uh, but once we know he's going to be a Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer, Julio Jones, but you see another player in A.J. Brown who's he's on pace. Uh, he, he's that electric of a player. That's production when you look at what they've done, the body of work. That's the way you're judged in this league. You're judged in this league about what you do, what you do on a Sunday or a Monday or a Thursday night. When you look at this team, let's just take, for instance, you take A.J. Brown. You're talking about in three years in Nashville, 185 receptions, nearly 3,000 yards receiving, 24 touchdowns. You're talking about a player that in 2019, his rookie year, went over a 1,000-yard mark, comes back in 2020, matches it again. 2021, he would have had another 1,000-yard, but he missed the game. He had an injury. When you look at that, what do you see? I see production. I see a player that over a span of three years, he's been one of the most productive receivers uh, since coming out of Ole Miss in 2019. Then you take a look and see who replaces him, Traylon Burks. There's a big asterisk because you don't know what you're going to get out of a rookie. Take Julio Jones, for instance. You're talking about one of the most prolific receivers in NFL history. You're talking about what a three, a two-time first-team All-Pro, a three-time second-team All-Pro, a seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time receiving yard leaders 2015 and 2018, NFL 2010 All-Decade team. You see production. Then you look at who, who comes in for Julio. You got Robert Woods. No disrespect to Robert Woods. He's one of the most talented receivers in the league, but he's 30 years old, David, and he's also coming off of an ACL injury. Out of those two, those are your two stars going into the season. That's what we're predicting. But then look at the guys that are behind them. Nick Westbrook-Akine, very consistent, third-year pro. I tell you what, I love him. I love the way that he plays the game. Don't look at his stats, but – when you look at this receiving court, Des Patrick, your fourth rounder, Cody Hollister, Racing McMath, Mason Kenzie, Cal Phillips, you have a lot of unknowns. So if I'm a rider, I'm saying the same thing. What have these guys done uh, to make me believe that they're a top five receiving core? They haven't done nothing as a unit. So until you put something on paper or you go out into the game and you be productive, that's the only way that you can change the narrative of this receiving core. John Glennon, you wrote about the the football outsiders rankings. What uh, what should people know? What should people take away from sort of that that particular ranking right there? Yeah, I mean, I I agree with Denard in that I think it's understandable um, because well, I'll, I'll say this about the Titans receiving core: there is a high ceiling for this group. You know, if Robert Woods bounces back in this season as well as we've seen him in the off season so far, he, he seems to be you know, on, on a great rate of, of, of progress, you know, if he bounces back well, 
if Traylon Burks, you know, is the kind of guy that, that uh, you know, steps into the league like A.J. Brown, who he's been compared to often, uh, you know, if Kyle Phillips, you know, shows the kind of promise that we've seen in the offseason. Um, the, the problem is, though, that, that everybody has an if uh, attached to them. There, there's question marks over every single guy, um, you know, maybe with the exception of, of Nick Westbrook-Akina, and, and he is not going to be a guy that gets you 60 or 70 catches. So there's a lot of ifs. And, and uh, you know, as I say, if if these guys come through, this group can be one of the, uh, you know, certainly in the, the upper half of the league, I would say. But there's an awful lot of ifs. And, and if, if the not if the ifs catch up to you, you know, I, I can see why they're not rated too highly as of now. And you've got a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill who threw an unusual number of interceptions during the regular season last year. And, and the, the three in the, in the, in the playoff game too, it's a, uh, it, it's a, it's a real, it, it, you know, there's, there is some uncertainty about him too. You, you'd feel, you'd feel better about this situation if it was this time a year ago and, and Ryan Tannehill had had the, you know, the, the 2019 and 2020 seasons he, he did. It's uh, you know, that, that, that adds, I think to a little bit of the angst with that, uh, with that thing too, as we're, we'll stick with wide receivers a little bit because uh, it's, you know, we have to talk a little bit more about Traylon Burks. We're in phase week two of phase three of the off season program, which is, is still, organized team activities there's been another one this week that was open to the media again Traylon Burks out there stayed on the field but wasn't exactly taking every rep that that you would think he would possibly get so uh John where you know where are we what what do we know at this point anything more about Traylon Burks and uh and and what his situation is yeah, I can't say we're, we're a, a ton. Uh, we have a ton more knowledge at, at this point. But, you know, I, I did think that Traylon Burks uh, this day, you know, this was the fourth time we've seen him since he's been a part of the club. And, and I thought this was his most active day. This was the day he missed the fewest amount of reps. But until he has an entirely full day, until he is doing what every other wide receiver and, and really every other teammate are doing out there, it, the question is is going to be raised, and, and it has to be raised. Why why wouldn't he? Why isn't he? Uh, and and the Titans just won't give us certainty on that answer. And what was a little disappointing, I thought this week was that Traylon Burks had his first opportunity to to clear some things up by by speaking to the media, you know. And and he was asked, you know, certainly about his conditioning status, and, and you know, asked about the the inhaler situation too. We go back to that first day when he was using an inhaler, uh, when, when he was having trouble uh, breathing. And, and you know, it, it raised the, the question of whether there's an asthmatic condition going on, whether there's some, whether there's some condition beyond just fitness uh, going on. And, and really, he, he offered no clarity on that, uh, you know, in terms of the inhaler specifically. You know, he said, just uh, ask Coach Frabel and we know where that, that generally goes. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I think one thing I will say, uh, Mike Frabel, at least this time around, referenced, you know, rookies. He said, you know, without necessarily naming Traylon Burks, he said rookies, you know, they spend so much time working for the combine, working towards specific drills, speed drills in particular. You know, sometimes it can be an adjustment, you know, weeks, months later, 
when all of a sudden they're back to doing football things instead of just doing combine type drills. And, and, you know, you got the idea, even though he didn't name names that, that maybe that's what something that's, that's going on a little bit with Traylon Burks too. But again, it remains a story if, if he's not doing what everybody else is doing uh, until it's not a story. And, and that's kind of the same thing that, uh, that Rabel said after the first rookie camp workout, which, uh, you know, I, I guess let's give him credit for consistency there in, in terms of the message, whatever, whatever the message is. And, and maybe you, you know, you rely on Occam's razor there, which says the, uh, the most likely, answer is the answer and and maybe it's just uh it's just an issue then of of conditioning based on what he did or didn't do leading into the draft which we you know which we have talked about here and 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 if it's if it's simply that he's not the first guy who has uh who has been through this Donato, i want to ask you when when you were playing what was what was your attitude towards talking about injuries or or health issues did you did you see that that and that it was you, did you think it was maybe not worth it to talk about? Did, were you comfortable with it? How, how did you approach that? Well, I wasn't hurt. Or, you know, I, I was, oh, good. <laughs> that's good news. <laughs> if I was, I, I would conceal it. I wouldn't tell the whole truth. But, um, you know, guys, you, you know, the way it works is, and I agree with John, when, is when you come, when you're getting ready for, uh, the combines, you, you're doing mostly drills. You're not doing a lot of conditioning work. And what happens is, is sometimes it really is hard transitioning from kind of doing the little everyday drills and getting ready for the 40-yard dash, as opposed to you're doing, you know, a lot of interval work where you're doing all these sprints and all of this conditioning work. So again, he, he will still have about four, what, four weeks before training camp when they finish OTAs. A lot of times that's when coaches would say, listen, let's go ahead get a lot of work in now. So when training camp comes, we're not having this issue because I, I didn't see that last year at Arkansas. I mean, I saw him in the fourth quarter. It looked like he got stronger as the game went by. So again, I, I think that, you know, for me, uh, no, it was something that I basically, it was a non-issue because um, I didn't have a serious injury. So I don't believe that I need to, uh, I have to tell everybody what's going on with me. So and coaches will sometimes protect players. Listen, if it's not an issue right now, listen, let's just kind of keep everything concealed and, and we'll tell them what they want to hear. That's just the way coaches will do. One thing Mike Vrabel... Okay, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. I was, I was going to say, Denard, I still think you're concealing. Do you have an injury you're not telling us about right now? <laughs> hey, well, I'll tell you what. When I played at Denver, uh, this was an, it wasn't an issue, but it was getting used to the altitude. And it took me about... I mean, John, it really took about six months to almost a year to get acclimated to that altitude. I've never experienced that before. I thought it was a hoax when people talked about, you know, when you go to Colorado that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It, it's, it's something when you just can't breathe. And so I was a big time free agent. They paid me a lot of money, but they, Hey, this guy can't get through, you know, the second drill without, you know, having to go sit him down for a little bit, but it wasn't unusual. You saw a lot of veterans. They struggled for a while until you can get acclimated to that environment. So once again, that's what Traylon's probably doing. He's getting trying to get acclimated. They know, hey, it might be just a little issue with his conditioning. Once he get into, once these OTA, OTAs and everything is over, you can take that four weeks and basically say, listen, let's work on that conditioning part of the game. So this is not an issue uh, when we're talking about getting into, you know, the part of the first part of the season. You wonder too how much, how like nervous he's getting, how, you know, how, 
I guess out of out of step he feels it, it, you know certainly he's a guy who's going to have high expectations for himself he you know he wants to come in here and, and make a good impression and and you wonder you know just is he able to just compartmentalize that and say okay this is this is my situation this is what I have to do to get where I need to be or or is it sort of a constant state of you know, goodness, I got to catch up. I got to catch up. I got to catch up, which I think, which I think can be dangerous because that's, uh, you know, that's how you can hurt yourself too. If you're, if you're not careful by trying, by trying to do too much or to overcompensate for this, that, or the other thing. Uh, one, one thing that, that Mike Vrabel did say that, that actually, I guess, shed a little light on a, on another situation was uh, he talked about last year's second round draft pick, Dylan Radens and said he is uh, he is doing most of his work or a majority of his work at least at uh, at right tackle, which you know presumably he is the leading candidate to be the starting right tackle this year after uh, after a rookie season in which he he was inactive a number of times did start one game at left tackle against San Francisco late in the year when, when Taylor Lewan couldn't go but but practiced at multiple positions all season seemed to be a guy just who, who didn't have a spot. So uh, John, I'll come back to you. Is this, uh, is this good news? Is this a significant development that, uh, that Mike Vrabel seems to look at Dylan Radens as a, a right tackle right now? To me, I thought it was a, you know, a rather significant statement simply because there has been no statement previously that gave us any leaning any direction aside from he's a versatile guy you know we're, we're working him at guard we're working him at tackle yada yada so when Mike Frable actually said we've been predominantly working him at right tackle to me that, that you know that's a kind of a big deal and I think it's I think it's a good thing you know the more he could in my mind that he can play at one position a I think it's better for him you know, because he doesn't have to keep working back and forth through two different skill sets, you know, whether it's a left guard or, or whether it's a right tackle. So that helps that he kind of, uh, you know, defines his uh, his role a little bit more. And I think, you know, the offensive line too, you know, we, we always hear about how important offensive line continuity is, uh, you know, and, and if you're potentially thinking of Dylan Radens as a right tackle, um, you know, the more time he can spend there and, and eventually if this continues into training camp, you know, the, the longer you can get continuity as a starting offensive line, that will help as well. But, you know, as, as uh, I, I wrote about this uh, today, David, as you know, on, on SI.com, I think the bigger question now, even if we know, or even if there seems to be an indication that Raiden's is working at right tackle, we still don't know for sure. Is he good enough to be a starter? And, uh, you know, no one is, is right now pounding the table, you know, coaches or, or teammates or anything and say, this guy is without question. He's our guy. You know, there, there's just not that evidence that we saw during his rookie season or, or, you know, in limited time here in the off season. So that to me is the bigger picture question now. Denard, I'll ask you this. It, are you of the mindset that it's it's better to identify your your five starting offensive linemen early in the offseason and let those guys work together for weeks and months at a time? Or or is it okay to to keep playing with the, the combination into training camp and, and even into the preseason a little bit? Well, it, it depends on the coach. You know, what you're trying to do at this this stage 
uh, with OTAs. You're trying to build some continuity with, you know, especially with your offensive line. You got five guys and you need them to mesh well together. And, and you think about Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel comes from that New England uh, pedigree. And what he, when you first think of that New England pedigree, you think about versatility. The more you can do for Bill Belichick, the more that creates longevity. You're talking about John Robinson. I believe he also comes from that mold, that Bill Belichick system. And I know one thing about Bill Belichick is that he just don't, he doesn't want one player at one position. He moves guys around. He, he takes defensive guys. He takes linebackers and put them at defense end. He takes defensive ends like Mike Vrabel played and put them at tight end. Versatility is the key. And I know one of the things we talked about is the third rounder, uh, Nicholas Petit Ferrari. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name. Very right. nice. Very, I tell you well what, done. yeah, that's a hard last name. Some of these last names I'm gonna have to work on. But one of the things what he you loved about Nicholas that when he was coming out of Ohio State, you talking about uh, the versatility that he can play left or right. That's what you want to see in your offensive line when you get to the NFL, especially the way offensive line. Uh, play is today you want to see if you have a guy that can also play tackle he can play guard he sometimes can go in and play center the more you can do that creates a longer career for you in the national football league you don't want to be one dimensional in this league and that's what I love about Dylan Dylan last year showed that he was a starter in this league because he started for Taylor in that San Francisco game and he went up against arguably the best defense in in the league by the name of Nick Bosa I believe I've heard of him and I'll tell you what he played his behind up as a rookie going against probably the, the most dominating defensive end in the league. Nick Bosa last year was on course to what to set a uh, single season sack, all these sacks that he was uh, accumulating. And then what happened? Dylan Ratnus, Dylan went into that game and shut him down. I mean, I know Nick had some plays in there, but that's what you want to see. That was a rookie. So what is he doing? He's evolving. And I was reading where uh, Todd Downing, he showed a vote of confidence in Dylan and saying, listen, he's more mature this year. He's taking another step. He's taking another element to the game. That's what you want to see every year from a young guy. You want to see, is he evolving as a player? And Dylan, he showed last year that he is capable of being a starter in this league because when you can put a guy especially at the left tackle position, and he can go against one of the best in the business and hold his own, then yes, he deserves a chance to, hey, he deserves a chance to uh, earn that start to be the starting tackle on the team next year. And again, you don't know where he's going to play in guard. We don't know the situation with Aaron Brewer and was it Jones, Jamarco Jones. Uh, that's a battle that we're going to have to pay close attention to. But one thing I do love before, I'm going to say this, John and David, I love the versatility of these offensive linemen. The more you can do in this league, that creates a longer a longer career for you in the National Football League. Yeah, no, no one would say that, that Raiden's graded out at 100% in that San Francisco game. But the one thing that you did like is that he, he battled, he, he looked like, you know, he was, he was going to give it his all on every snap that night. I remember coming away from that thinking, okay, maybe, maybe this kid's going to be all right. Eventually. Anyway, I, I talked to him last week after the OTA and, and, you know, he was asked a couple, a couple of us asked him about the, the, the right tackle job and everything. I, I, there was a part of me that I would have liked to have heard him say, I absolutely want to be the starting right tackle for this team. I I'm, I'm doing everything I can to earn that job or whatever, but, but he didn't, you know, he, he did the, he did the team guy 
thing and said, look, the, the five best offensive linemen are going to be the offensive line. And, and if I'm one of them, then, then great. If not, I'm going to be pushing the guys who are starters. Uh, you know, I, I'd almost want to, I almost want to see a little more killer instinct from him in, in that regard, but uh, you know, everybody's wired how they are wired. And that's uh you know, I, I think that that was that was probably a pretty consistent answer with uh, with with how Dylan Radens is wired. But uh, you know, this is not going to be the last time we are uh, we are going to address this subject. I'm I'm sure we will uh, we will look at it increasingly as we get into the training camp in the preseason because it is uh, it is interesting. It is important for this team that uh, that they get this offensive line sorted out and and find a good productive five but uh that is going to be be it for this uh this particular episode it's uh the time goes quickly as we're doing this i i do have to say one more thing a, a quick salute to quarterback ryan fitzpatrick who uh played for nine nfl teams over a 17 year nfl career has announced his retirement started nine games for the titans in 2013 and uh and had one game where he set career highs in in attempts and completions in a in a loss to arizona he was he was always exciting if not a uh if not the the most productive or successful quarterback of all time and and titans fans saw that in the uh in the in the one year he was with this team so uh with that we will we will say good night denard walker thank you as always thank you thank you david thanks john John, thank you for your time and your insights, as always. All right. Thanks, guys. And we will, uh, we will be back next week with, uh, with another edition. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Believe in Titans Podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.